0: Hello and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information including service times and directions or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Let's go to Numbers Numbers chapter 13. Now, in Numbers chapter 13, It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel of every tribe their father, shall thou send a man, every one a ruler among them. Now, this is interesting because the Lord said to Moses, Pick twelve men, one from each tribe, and not just twelve men at random, but choose the best man, I mean the best Man, a leader from each tribe and send them into the land of Canaan and, uh, and this is the time. Now the interesting thing is that this promise of them going into the land of Canaan, this is something that God had given to Abraham uh, more, almost 500 years back. So this is not something that Moses came up with and said, oh, the Lord is telling us we should go into Canaan's land. But this is a promise that uh, God gave to Abraham and Abraham passed it on to his son Isaac and Isaac passed it on to Jacob. And then uh, Jacob passed it on to his son Joseph and there had been 400 years in slavery in Egypt. So we can easily say 500, 600 years, I don't know, you know, but centuries. So... And this was a promise that was deeply ingrained in the, in the psyche, in the spirit, and the psyche of every Israelite, that we don't really belong here, wherever they were, but we belong to that land, and God has promised us the land. So this is something that was deeply ingrained in there, and even now, when you look at Israel and all that, and this is the land God promised Abraham, you know, I mean, and that's like uh, 4,000 years later, they're still talking about it. So this was deeply ingrained. And so finally, uh, God said to Moses that this is the day, this is the time, that time has come. After centuries of being outside, now you are going to go into the land and this is what you'll do. You will choose one man for each from each tribe, the best man from each tribe, and tell them to spy out the land and... Um, you know, and before you go in. So, and here we see from verse 4 onwards uh, and to verse uh, 16 are the names. I mean, the Bible actually tells us the names of these 12 men who went out. And so, you can imagine how much was expected of these men. Because they were all like heroes, you know. They were the, the role models, one from each tribe. They were sent out. And, uh, and so, they sent them out. And then it says here, um, verse 25. Okay, let's jump over to verse 25. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. So they spent 40 days, which is uh, almost six weeks. They were in the land. I mean, they went and they patrolled the land. They studied everything. And this is what they said. And says verse 26, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel. So it means that when they came back, all the Israelites were excited. They all gathered in one place because they were all fired up and excited to hear what this man had to say. And this is what they said from verse 27. And they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sent us and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. They, had, they had actually brought back some bunches, big bunches of grapes and, and so they began in a positive note. And they said, look, we saw the land and it is exactly as the Lord told Abraham. It's flowing with milk and honey and there's fruits there and this is, it is true. So they came back and they began with a good report. But then... From there, it begins to go downhill. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled. And very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Now, the An- Anakims are known. They were, the, they were known as giants. They were big in... Stature, you know, that's where the World Wrestling Federation recruited their wrestlers, those are they the big guys. You know, he said, We saw the Enochs there, the Enochims, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. Then they began to list all the people who lived there you know, strong people and the Hittites and the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Mennonites and the Parasites, you know. And they dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. So they gave a whole list of all these strong tribes that live in the land. And so they, you see, they begin to Say that, you know what, we believe what the Bible says and it is exactly as the word of God. But you see, God has also given us eyes and God has given us brains. And we are just, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to tell you what I saw. And I'm using my God-given intelligence and education to to appraise you of some facts that you should be aware of. I believe in faith like anybody else. I believe in the Bible, but here are the facts. And these are the cold, hard facts. So they begin to, um, you know, talk like this. And Caleb, he, he, you know, he was one of the 12. So what? what look at his response. But Caleb still the people before Moses. He said, okay, guys, we have heard enough. Just be quiet. Let us go up at once because we and possess it because we are well able to overcome it. So Caleb said, look, 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 just stop. Okay, stop talking. Let's just go and do it because because uh, we are able to overcome it. Why? Because God has said so. But the people that went up with them said, no, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Then they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched, you know. So, First, they were saying the land surely flows with milk and honey, and now they're saying the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. And then again, they repeated that about the giants. Then they said, And we felt like grasshoppers, you know. So, and they thought we were, how can you read their minds? But they said, They thought we were grasshoppers in the side, and then, chapter 14, the next verse. And then the whole, all the congregation lifted up, lifted up their voice and they cried and the people wept that night. So, I mean, 12 men, through their bad report, they destroyed the faith of a whole nation. And so, now everybody's crying and they're weeping. And the next thing, they turn on Moses. And Aaron, and all the children murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God... I mean, they were slaves in Egypt. They'd forgotten how bad it was. They'd forgotten how bad it was. I remember, I used to go to Eastern Europe before the fall of communism, and when I was in... You know, one thing about communism, under a proper communistic system... Nobody owns anything. Even the apartment you live in is owned by the government. Everything is run down, bad. You're paid just enough to survive. Everything belongs to the government. Yet when the, when the Soviet Union became free and they failed, they, people failed. You know, when you change the system, there's some hardships. When there's hardship, people longing back to the good old days of communism. They had forgotten what it really was like. They said, we want the old system back we don't like this so because we were poor at least we were alive can you imagine so they all now wanted to go back to egypt and all that so anyway and then god gets really mad at them you know god god gets mad at them and then uh, then it says here we can you know in numbers chapter 14 and uh, we can read from verse 22 it says, because all these men which have seen my glory and my miracles. They saw, they've seen the glory and the miracles of God. He says, because all these men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted, tempted me now these ten times, and have not listened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. So God said, God got mad. He said, you know, these people saw my glory, they saw my miracles, and still they're complaining. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we sometimes think that complaining and murmuring isn't such a bad thing. I mean, it's only human. And surely God understands that. You know, we sometimes, we, we speak in certain ways. We say, we say it's okay because, look, God understands, you know, but, uh, and he's merciful, and he's full of grace. It's okay, but it's not okay. Because complaining and murmuring can actually cause us to miss out what God has for us. So, you see, just because God promises something, it does not necessarily mean that it will come to pass unless we respond in faith. Because honestly, I mean, I believe in grace. I believe in the goodness and the mercy of God. But just because God said something is no guarantee that is going to happen unless man responds by faith. And so we we have to curb what we say and how we think. And we, we really, really have to be very careful. And so God said all these people who have seen my glory, seen my miracles, they're not going to see the land. I'm, I'm just fed up because they're complaining. Then he says verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and has followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land wherein he went and his seed shall possess it. And of course we can include Joshua in it also because Joshua was the other one who uh, who didn't complain. But God said that the only reason Caleb will see the land is Because he had another spirit. He was different. That's why, beloved, we have to be different. We have to be different. And that's why, uh, you know, the Bible says that do not be conformed to the world, but be you renewed in your mind. So, uh, renewed and, and the word. You know, when it says, do not be conformed to the world, it's not talking about living in sin that, like the world lives, you know, drunkenness and fornication and adultery. The world does that, so we shouldn't do that. That's not what it is referring to. It is referring to the world's way of thinking. It is referring to the world's way of reacting to situations. And and often, you know, people in the church are just like people in the world, not because they live in sin, but their responses to to, to situations are like, like everybody else like the price of gas goes up people in the world complain people in the church complain sometimes we complain more than anybody else you know and so so it's it talks about a mindset a way of thinking. He says do not think like the world but think in faith. Think faith. That's what he's talking about. And Caleb had a different spirit and we saw that when all the other spies were saying no, no, we can't take this land because of the giants, because of the circumstances and Caleb, he tried to quiet them down. He said listen guys, you've gone long enough okay, just zip that lip, shut up let's just go and do it because the Lord has said we can do it and and they they shouted him down and that's when the Lord said okay fine. Nobody's going to see the land except Caleb and his descendants. His seed, they shall possess it. Anyway, so uh, he says because Caleb has another spirit. Everybody say another spirit. Everybody say, I have another spirit. Amen. Now when you make that statement, I have another spirit, that's something to live up to. I want to be different. I don't want to be like the people in the world. Amen. I want to have a different spirit about these things. Now, let's go to Joshua chapter 14. And I'm going to, Joshua chapter 14. Now, this is when they have entered into the promised land because they walked, you see, what happened was that after God said, they're not going to see the land. uh, So what he did, he sent them into the wilderness to basically die. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And the only reason they were there was not because God was trying to teach them something. But they were there because they were dying like flies one by one. They walked around the wilderness until the last person who had been there and complained had died. And only their children were left. The children who were Born in the wilderness who hadn't experienced that time of unbelief. So if you know what I mean, they all, it, took them four, it took 40 years for that generation to die off. That's what happened. Now, when they were in the wilderness, I mean, if you look at the astounding things that happened in the wilderness. Firstly, they got manna from heaven. They had food to eat every day. God provided them with food. Their shoes and clothes did not wear out. They had the, a pillar of cloud by day. And they had a pillar of fire at night. Now I heard reports, people say, oh, we had a pillar of fire outside the church and thing is revival. Children of Israel, it was not revival. They were dying off. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, when there's a move of God, it's not what happens outside, but it's what happens inside. That's the important thing about a move of God. A move of God, that is just outward things, but it did, it does not change our heart or our mind. Really, you wonder, is it really worth having? Because it is the inside condition of man that determines his outside situation. So sometimes we want You know, we we, we want revival. We want a move of God. We want something to happen so everyone gets all excited. So we said we had a move of God. But God wants to say, what happened to you inside? See what I'm saying? Because these people had a pillar of fire every night for 40 years. They had a cloudy pillar every day for 40 years. They had manna from heaven every single day for 40 years. Yet they were in the wilderness, they were dying off because God sometimes, in His mercy, just does things for us. He didn't abandon them altogether, He was He said, Okay, they're going to die, but I'm not going to, you know, abandon them, I'm going to make sure they have food to eat, but they still die. So, anyway, so now it took 40 years of them walking around in the wilderness, really going nowhere, dying. And when the last person from that generation had died, and that by that time Moses had also died, and God, and God had raised up Joshua, and he said to Joshua, okay, now Moses is dead. You're going to lead the people into the promised land. And that we read in the first chapter of Joshua. And he leads them, and now they have five years of conquest, you know they had 40 years in the wilderness they were dying now they come to the promised land they had 5 years of fighting of war and they came and they conquered the land now look what happens in chapter in verse number 6 in chapter 14 i'm jumping over a lot of things here it says then the children of judah came unto joshua in gilgal now gilgal is an interesting place it is on the on on the on the uh, on the western part of the River Jordan, just before you come to Jericho. You can say it's the southeastern part of the land of Canaan. So they were right there in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the, the Kenazite, sent unto him. So Caleb comes to Joshua. They have finished their conquest of the land. And this is what he said. He said, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee and Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to spy out the land and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thy inheritance and thy children's forever, because. I'm sorry, my pages are stuck here. Because thou hast wholly followed the Lord thy God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, ever since the Lord spoke his word unto Moses, while the children. Of Israel wandered in the wilderness and now lo I am this day four square and five years old. And yet I'm as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me as my strength was though. Then even so my strength is now for war both to go out and to come in. Let's pause here. So Caleb comes to Joshua. He said, Joshua, you remember that day when we were in Kadesh Barnea? And Kadesh Barnea was the place where the spies came back and gave the report. He says, you and I were there together. You remember that day when we went, to, went out to spy out the land and I came back and I gave my report? And he says, the, the brothers who were with us, I mean, they made the heart of the people to melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. Now, another interesting thought I want to interject here. Remember before that, when Moses was uh, acting as a magistrate, you know, judging disputes, and his father-in-law Jethro said to him, he says, No, Moses, you're wearing yourself out. Choose 70 men and who have wisdom, and lay your hands on them, and let them do this. And the Bible says that Moses laid his hands on these 70 men, and the spirit that was upon him came upon those 70 men, and, uh, you know, and they did... They helped Moses and, and I often think, what happened to those 70 men? Why didn't any of them speak up when the spies gave the bad report? Surely they had the same anointing as Moses had? Well, it just proves one thing. That just because a man is hearing from God today doesn't mean he is hearing from God tomorrow. You can't live on yesterday's thing. You know, you have to have a daily... Walk of faith every single day. There's no guarantee that, you know, someone laid hands on a person and boy, he got it and he'll carry it the rest of his life. It has to be maintained. Faith has to be maintained. The anointing of God, the calling, the gifting of God has to be maintained. And somewhere down the road, these guys had fumbled the ball, you know. So now what has happened? Now Caleb comes to Joshua and this is what he says. This is my paraphrase. He says, you know when we were in Kadesh Barnea and... Uh, and, and and we came back and the, those who were with us, they gave a bad report and, and I gave a good report because I wholly followed the Lord, my God. And Moses promised me, he says, Caleb, you and your children shall inherit the land. And he says, I was 40 years old at that time. And now 45 years have passed and now I am 85 years old. Then he says, I am 85 years old, but I am still as strong as I was when I was 40. Now, of course, his family physician may have a different opinion. But ultimately, it comes down to how you feel on the inside. I've seen people who are young, who feel like they're old and they have nothing to live for. I remember when I moved to America and... uh, I realized that in America, one of the dreams, not everybody, many people have is to make a lot of money so they can retire early and do nothing. Isn't that true, Pastor Edwin? A lot of people feel, that, uh, nowhere else in the world have I seen this. They want to work hard, earn enough money, so by the time they're 40, they retire, they got several million in the bank. So I met one guy in our church who told me this. He says, Brother Christopher, that's my goal He said, I'm making a lot of money. He was a real estate guy. I'm going to make all this money because my goal is to retire. And I said, okay, so you'll retire at how old? He said, about 50. I said, what will you do after that? He said, oh, I want to live in Hawaii and go play golf and and fish. I said, brother, bad news, you're going to die. He said, how can you say that? You're a man of faith. I said, well, when a man has nothing to live for, he has no vision, he has no purpose, he loses his desire to produce anything, he has stopped living. Inside, he has stopped living and soon the body will join the inside and you will die. That really jarred him. And that man, unfortunately, he died before his time. But that's exactly what he did. He retired and he fished until he died. He died too early. So, you know, but so you are really, you know, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that is how Caleb was. He says, look, I am 85 years old and I am as young now, as strong now as I was when I was 40. Then he says, and I'm ready to, ready for war 85 years old and ready to rumble. He was looking for a fight to get into. So then he, said to, then he said to Joshua, he says, Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakims, these were the giants, you know the World Wrestling Federation guys. You heard how they were there. And that the cities were great and fenced. And if the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. Now, it's interesting because remember the, the they were complaining about the giants. They said the Amalekites, the Hittites, and all these people were there. Then they began to talk about the giants and the walled cities. And that is why Caleb said, no, 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 okay, no, no, that's enough. Let's just go and do it. You know why? Because when he was going through the land... God had spoken into his ear and said, Caleb, you see this walled city, you see the giants, you see this mountain, this is yours. So when they were complaining, he just stood there. But the moment they were talking about his mountains and they were talking about the giants he was going to conquer and the walled cities, that would be his. That is when his blood began to boil. He said, "Uh uh-uh, you can talk about your inheritance, don't touch mine this is mine. And now he says the Lord had spoken to me. And, 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 and I want that mountain. And so then Joshua blessed him. And Caleb went out. And in the twilight of his old age. He fought his final battle. And he won his greatest victory. Hallelujah. He didn't know how to get up. How to give up. So. But, Moses said he had another spirit. Now, I'm going to give you four reasons, four things I see, why uh, he, had a, he had a different spirit, okay? The first reason he had a different spirit is that he was single-minded. He was holy, totally. In his dedication, he followed the Lord holy, and he never forgot what the Lord had done. While the others had forgotten what the Lord had done, Caleb never forgot what the Lord had done. He saw how the Lord brought them out through, out of Egypt through the Red Sea. He never forgot that. And that's why he said, you know what? We can do it. Let's just go and do it. He never, remember, when you go through difficult times, never forget what the Lord has done in your past. Amen. God didn't bring you and me so far just to drop us. You know, it doesn't say anywhere in the world that in, in his word that God is going to bless you and do this, then one day he'll change his mind and just drop you like a hot potato. He won't do that. Okay, that was the first reason he had a different spirit. The second thing was uh, why he had a different spirit He held on to the word of God, which became his vision for 45 years. 40 years in the wilderness and five years of conquest. 45, can you imagine? Holding on to the word of God, the promise of God. Sometimes things take time. Nobody knows why. It's not your fault. But never give up. It can be anything. But hold on to the word of God. Because remember, the word of God is always true. Why is it always true? Because it is the word of God. And God cannot lie. If God has said something and You see, we live within the bounds of time. And uh, the more difficult things are, the slower time seems to go. Sometimes time seems to go very fast. Other times it seems, you know, it's still 60 minutes and an hour. 24 hours in a day. But sometimes that time seems to go slower. At times it, it, it seems to go faster. But it is still the same. It just feels that way for us, depending upon what you're going through. You know, when you go on vacation, it seems it's over like this. But When you go through difficulties, it seems like, my goodness, it's taking ages. Have you noticed that? When you sit and watch a movie, time goes so fast. When you take time in prayer, you think I prayed two hours, look at it, watch, five minutes have gone. We're still the same. The clock ticks the same way. But remember that God is always true. Never let go of that fact. That God is always true and God is always faithful to his word. Okay? Now, the other thing was that the word of God became his obsession. It became his vision. All he could think was that mountain. That's what he lived for. 45 years... He suffered in the wilderness. All he could think was what the promise of God was over his life. It became his vision. The word must become your vision. It must become your obsession. The third reason why Caleb had a different spirit was he did not let the vision go. Although for 45 years... He watched all his friends, all his relatives die around him in the wilderness. Can you imagine? He watched his friends and family die all around him for 45 years. 40 years. I mean, all his friends, his kids he grew up with, those who were those who were his age, he just watched them die. He went to funerals every day. It was very dreary. Thousands of people, everybody he knew. Until when he was old, there were just two of them left from his generation. He and Joshua. Everybody else was kids. But he didn't let go of the vision. Although he saw funerals every single day. The fourth reason is very important. Why he had a different spirit. He kept his heart pure from bitterness. Although he suffered for 45 years because of the sin and unbelief of other people. Can you imagine? 45 years this man suffered because of the sin and the unbelief of other people. Now if I suffer because of my sin and unbelief, I can say, okay, you know what? I messed up. And I'm suffering for it. Okay, you know, I'm sorry it's terrible, it's painful, but I messed up. And so I'm going through a difficult time. But when you stand there and you say, you know, I did nothing wrong. I spoke faith. And in fact, Moses himself said, Joshua, you spoke faith, so you're going to see the land. Why do I have to walk for 45 years in this desert? Along with those who have sinned and suffer along with them. He suffered for 45 years because of the sin and the unbelief of other people. Yet, he kept his heart from bitterness. You don't see any bitterness in him. And that is somewhere, that is one thing where we really have to keep our hearts. Because in Proverbs 4, I believe it's verse 24. He says, above all these things, preserve your heart. Because from it proceed the issues of life. Hallelujah. We have to guard our heart above all things, and often, you know, you know, I, I realized this years ago that often we fail, not because we sin, because we're very careful to not to sin. Most Christians are, and and if we ever sin, we are very quick to repent and to make things right, and we we are okay there. But where we fail is how we respond to the sins of others. And that's one area we never even think of. Maybe I should guard my reaction. And, and Caleb, there he was in the desert suffering because for 45 years because of the sin and unbelief of other people. But he walked that same desert, um, desert as they did, suffering, but he never complained. Amen. And so he came, and then he won his final victory. Somebody say, he who laughs last, laughs best. <laughs> Hallelujah. Remember that. Remember that next time you wonder, why am I going through this? We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, and there's sin around us, and doesn't matter How much you preserve your heart. There's always things that happen. And sometimes we get caught in it. But we don't always have the answers. But we know this. That the word of God is always true. That God is always faithful to his heart. And we don't always have to understand why I am going through this. Because other people did this. But one thing we can do. We can keep our hearts pure. And keep our hearts right. And keep on trusting God. And keep on keep our eyes focused on the word and not on the things that people are doing because that's what he did. He kept his uh, his eyes focused, his heart focused on the word, focused on the promise of God and, and he went through it. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You see, you, you know, let, let me just say this. When this pandemic started and uh, I began to hear people saying, oh, this is the end of life as we know it. People are saying this is, like everything is going to collapse, the economy is going to collapse Everything. listen, twenty years ago at 9 eleven we saw the same thing. People were I know you youngsters't probably weren't even born then or you were babies, but I'm, I was old enough to experience that. Christian TV people are talking about this is the end of the world this is the when those computers. You know, the, the dates change, the computers are lined up, the banking system will collapse, everything. People were buying up generators, guns, and ammo. They were buying those, what do you call those MREs, you know, those military food. You know what MRE stands for? Meals rejected by Ethiopians. And Ethiopia has always had starvation at one time or the other. So people are buying up these MREs, buying guns and ammo. I went to our Costco. Our Costco is a mile from our house. And they had a sign there that after the 1st of January, we will not be taking back any generators. And I thought these people have more sense than people in my home church. But somehow people tend to see the prophetic, you know. They they get they get all goofy, you know. Oh, this prophetic, and then there's always some so-called prophet who who comes up, cooks up something, and and just because there's a "thus saith the Lord," you know, uh, people say it's God. It's better if they said "thus saith George" or something, you know, because it certainly has nothing to do with the Lord. But you know, look. We have been through this thing before and, and if you're talking the end times, the world ending, I just look at one scripture, Matthew twenty four fourteen, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness to every nation and then shall the end come. So when this thing started, I went to uh, Eugene Johnson's uh, Operation World to see, are there any people's groups l- alive that have not heard the gospel? And so I realized, yes, there are some people's groups who have not heard the gospel, then I said, hallelujah, this is not the end. We'll be around for some time more. Because there's still nations and people's groups that have not heard the gospel. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So, you know, so when we face this crisis situation, especially something that we are not prepared for, hits us and there's no end in sight. You know, there's no, you don't know when it'll end. We can do one of three things. One thing we can throw in the towel and give up. Just throw in the towel. Give up. Right? That's one thing. Second thing we can exist with some semblance of hope. It is hopeless but we can always hope. Right? The third thing we can do. Live in faith. Hold on to his word. Hold on to his promise. And speak out your faith. Glory to God. Give glory to God. Amen. And know that you are destined to win because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and He is interceding for you and me. And this morning I was reading Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. It says, He is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through him because he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us and his word is true to the uttermost and that is why... We can never lose and we hold on to that, but we got to speak faith because the way you can believe some, we can believe a lot of stuff. People say, oh, I'm believing God. I had a lot of people say, oh, I'm believing God. I said, brother, it's not whether you're believing, but it's about what are you speaking because if people say, Lord, they internalize, Lord, thing, I'm believing God. I said, that's great if you're believing. But what are you speaking? What are you saying? Because that is important. That's what faith is. Because what is in the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Speak faith. Speak faith. Speak faith. You know, when this thing started, people began to ask me, oh, brother, how's your ministry doing financially now that you're not traveling? I said, brother, please don't say those things to me. Yeah, but our ministry has... I said, listen. I said, if I go by what you're experiencing, I'll get ulcers. (laughs) I don't want those... I don't want your ulcers. We have to believe God. You know? Uh, Faith isn't believing God when times are good. When your newsletter is going out and you're out there, faith is believing God. Like You remember when Elijah, he was out in the desert for three days and uh, three years... And those ravens, crows came to him with cheeseburgers every day. God knows how to take care of you. God knows how to take care of me. Amen. So speak faith. doesn't matter how bad things are, the economy, people get laid off. It's terrible, but God is even better. Amen. Things are bad, but God is good. You can say things are bad, but God is good the word of God is always true. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads together. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you have said, I am the Lord, and I change not. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that after all these months when things are closed down, things are Uncertain, you are still upon the throne. And Lord, your word is still true. And Lord, those of us who are here, we can say our vision is still fresh and alive. And our passion for the gospel is undiminished, Father. Thank you, Father. Shikara ka, Teka Leviticus 6.13 is a commandment from God. It says the fire shall be kept burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Thank you, Father, for the fire of the Holy Ghost that burns on the in the altars of our churches, in the altar of our hearts. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. Father, if we have overcome this, we can overcome anything because we are more than conquerors through Jesus who has loved us. Father, I thank you for every... Uh, man woman child every couple every family all these young people of school college age father for all businesses people in their jobs i thank you father that those who have suffered any kind of uh, uh, any kind of downturn they're all going to rise up and they're all going to bounce back better greater than ever before Because you are the greater one who lives in us, Father. And we are programmed. We are destined to win, Father. We honor you. We glorify you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. While your head's about, I just want to make sure. I know this church time, Sunday morning, if there's anybody here, you say, Brother Christopher, I don't know whether I'm saved, whether I have peace with God, but I need to get right with God. You could just show me your hand. Is there anybody here? Just want to make sure. Is there anybody you need to get right with God? Just want to make sure. Anybody? Can I see your hand? I just want to make sure. Anybody here? You say, Brother Christopher, I need to get right with God. Just lift your hand high enough for me to see it. I haven't seen anybody as yet. Just uh, I wait a few more seconds. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand up. Let's lift up our hands to God. Let's just thank him. Just thank him for, you know, just the fact that you are alive here. I mean, people are talking about how many people have died. And, but we are alive. Just that fact that we are breathing. We are alive and we are in church. Praise God. Worshipping God, hearing his word. What a, let's not take these things for granted. Let us just thank God. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that we are alive and we are well and we are healthy. And your hand is upon us, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that we are all here worshipping you, Father. Worshipping you. Worshipping you. We glorify you. We glorify you. We glorify you. Let's do one more thing before we close. I'm going to pray for the sick tonight, okay? But I want you to lift up your hand. Just consecrate your life. To live it fully for Jesus. Let's do that. Let's consecrate our lives. Lord, we consecrate our lives to you. To live for you, Lord Jesus. To live holy. To live in faith. To serve you, Lord. To walk with you, Lord. Do your work in our lives, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We honor you. We honor you. We glorify you. This is what I want. I, I want all these young guys, all these young guys, young ladies. Can you come to the front? Just come. Just come. Pastor Edwin, would you come and stand with me? I just sense in my heart, if you are young, around up to the age of 22 or something, just come to the front. Just kneel, just kneel, just kneel and seek the Lord. Can you do that? Just kneel, just kneel and seek the Lord. If you're 22 and under, just seek the Lord. Just uh, get before God and, and, you know, you know when, uh, let me me just tell you, uh, how many are 22, 22 years old? Younger than that, all younger than 22? You know, you know when I was 22 years old, where I was? When I was 22 years old, I celebrated my birthday in a prison. I was arrested for preaching the gospel. I spent an, almost an entire year in prison in a Muslim country for preaching the gospel. And I was tortured. But that experience, it put something in me. I'm going to serve God rest of my life and when I came out of prison I had lost everything I had lost everything I was arrested for having a bible I, had, I was forbidden from having a bible I had a bible under my mat- mattress they arrested me then they threatened to execute me I had lost my bank account was depleted I had only 75 cents in my pocket I'm not making this up and that's when I left my home and i was a refugee and i ended up in sweden as a refugee with nothing but it resolved my you know now did i ever f- had have temptations i did but well, what did i do i remembered how the lord had his hand upon me when i was in that prison now you guys you are blessed i wouldn't use the word lucky you're blessed to live in the United States of America where nobody will do those things to you. Nobody. So what you do? You know, it shouldn't be persecution and pressure that should push you into (laughs) making that resolution. But it should be something from within yourself that should say, okay, this is the world that I live in. But I know that God is good. I have seen enough of his goodness and I know his word is true. And what I went through, I'm 66 years old now. And I have absolutely no regrets that I followed Jesus. Even though I spent a year in prison and I was tortured, I have absolutely zero regrets. And one day, when you're my age... If you have followed the Lord your God with all your hearts, you will look back and will say, I have no regrets. But if you lose your way along the time, along the way, and you decide to become worldly, when you're my age, you will have a lot of regrets. So learn to live your life without those regrets.